0: Log Talk Radio I stroll through the pictures. What I've left behind you want to I'm locked, I'm locked up in memories They all intertwine The memories in In my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn will come You will never know what
1: you've done. Good evening, good evening, good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight on NASCA's Stop Child Abuse Now radio show. NASCA stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. I'm your host tonight, Dr. Nancy V. Brown-Willis, and I'm with my wonderful co-host tonight, Mrs. Penelope. I'm so honored to be here with her tonight. We're on scan number 3236. Again, the scan number is 3236. And if you would like to call in tonight uh, to be a part of our show, please do so on this number, 646-595-2118. Again, That number is 646-595-211. I'll start first by reading our NASCA mission statement. We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone, and two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to the adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery again we're on scan number 3236 and if you'd like to be a part of our panel tonight you can call the number six four six five nine five two one one eight and again that number is six four six five nine five two one one eight
2: hello penelope hello nancy dr nancy excuse me dr nancy um Thank you so much for the wonderful introduction. Um, I am um, your trailer and co-host tonight, and I will be greeting callers on the back line as they call in. So, and obviously participating in our discussion this evening. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yes, thank you so much. I see that
1: we have uh, two people already who have joined us on the panel. We have uh, Philip. Such a pleasure to have you with us, Philip. Good evening. And also, we have uh, Mr. Bill, that's our president of NAFTA, which is always a pleasure to have him join us on our uh, chat tonight. So tonight, um, you know, one of the topics I wanted to talk about tonight was the topic of suicide, you know, really trying to go over some ways that maybe we can help support people and prevent it and how to raise awareness. Uh, there's so much taboo around that topic. It can be an uncomfortable topic, uh, especially if you've never lost someone to suicide. You may not know how to address that issue at all, how to talk about it. You you may feel like you don't want to say the wrong thing, say the wrong word, or upset anyone, or cause someone to go ahead and take their lives by opening up the conversation. So we're going to just kind of talk a little bit about that and learn that, you know, talking about suicide can actually help to save a life. And so um, we don't have to make it an uncomfortable conversation. We don't have to get stuck on the conversation. We may be that person's first point of contact and or only point of contact because we really don't know if that person is even saying to themselves and not speaking to anyone. But opening up the conversation can really can help save a life and also understanding that. you know, if you have lost someone, to suicide. um, Working through that that guilt, that survivor's guilt of maybe I could have done more, maybe if I would have said something, maybe I didn't do enough and understanding that many times when people make the choice and decide that they're going to move forward and take their lives, that it's not on you. It's it's just that they were um, in a place that they made that choice and there was not anything much you could have done. um I know I have lost a few family members to suicide, and um, and I'm a suicide survivor. I talk about it at times, um and like I said, when I made up my mind, I waited till my mom went to work. you know um uh, loved ones that I know took their lives. they waited till uh, no one was around, so it sometimes it just happens to happen that way, so really hoping to. Uh, just be able to give support to those who have lost someone or just share information to help uh, raise awareness on this issue. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that topic. Uh, It's in that area, so um,
2: I'd just like to open up the mic. Dr. Nancy, it's it's Penelope, and I just wanted to um, say thank you for, for bringing up the topic tonight because I don't think that um, even though I think the stigma is, is, um, is maybe slightly less um, and we can, there's more openness about suicide and suicide prevention, I think that we have um, a long ways to go. And so I appreciate all the conversations about suicide prevention and about the personal experiences with it. Um, and I just want, wish to thank you, first of all, for sharing um, documents and touching on your own um, within your family um, and personally. Um, I, you um, know, the moment that you mentioned, um, you know, the topic of suicide tonight, um, as a, you know, an adult survivor of child abuse, I immediately dissociate just because it's a, it's a little, it's a very um, important topic, but of course it's also something that's a little bit triggering. I also have a very close family member that has attempted suicide twice. Um, and um, although I have not attempted it myself, when I was um, in the inception of my healing um, and was able to speak for the first time of the fact that I had been molested um, by my by my father, um, the anguish was so severe that the only way I thought I could ever, um, serve, you know, um, I think, be without the pain was to no longer be on this earth. Um, that seemed like the only way the pain would stop. Um, I didn't move didn't intend to take my life and that was something that i you know did not attempt but that seemed like when i was in the um the the really uh the, the deepest part of my despair um in the inception and i was in so much pain i couldn't and i couldn't see the hope that um that healing also offers and so i think it's also you know on the spectrum of being diso- dissociate we call you know talk about dissociative disorders I feel like it's the ultimate numbing technique for pain and I just wanted to bring that up in terms of my own experience
1: Wow well thank you for for sharing that and for opening that up um I know that you know many times we miss we miss um some of the stories or you know you know Bennomy always tries to come and and divide people um. My story is the same as yours. I never really knew that it was your father. And so mm-hmm. my story is the same. It was our father. And that's why my mm-hmm. sister wasn't able to survive. Uh, that pain mm-hmm. is it, very severe. And I think it's su- on a, such a high level that a lot of people don't survive. Not only if it's their uh, family member. It could be a stranger and some people can't survive. But I think that um, that's just a whole nother level of pain that is unexplainable. And and you rarely have anyone who really truly understands what that is like.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: to hear you say that it was like, Wow, um
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm sorry that you have to to experience that as well. That was um you know, thank you for sharing that. And and you said something that was that I can also relate to in the sense that uh for me it's not that I wanted to die. I just wanted the pain to stop. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. really um and, and a lot of people who take their lives they experience that it's not that they really just want to die is that the pain is so painful i mean the pain is so deep and it's so undescribable that um that is just it's, it just becomes very overwhelming and becomes a lot for some people um and so i did um want to just say that um you know I, I i'm just i'm just very very uh i don't know what word to use but to hear that? That's your story. Uh, it breaks my heart, you know. Um,
2: I want to say well, say something. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry. No. I know, so thank you for you know saying that because um, it wasn't until I came to NASA and I um I felt so alone, and I didn't feel that anybody could possibly understand what I was going through. And um, that's the wonderful. Unfortunately, I would never wish um, that type of pain on anyone. Um, but um to, to actually not be alone is so powerful and so thank you for also disclosing your, your story. Um because yeah. it, there is there is um some comfort and you know, just knowing that you're not alone. So this is why obviously we need to talk about this more. So Yeah.
1: I um you know, I really started to open up also on Nasca like um really, really open up, um I know I kind of mentioned a little bit, and it was like very just like a little, very baby dot, but I remember when I was younger, and I would um sit with counselors, they would never be able to relate to me. I was you know a little child, um uh, I was five years old when I went through my views, and um mm. later on, when I started getting counseling, I was probably around like nine years old, ten years old, about ten years old, and I remember. I was always too grown for my age, obviously. Uh, You know, you grow up fast, um, being open, uh, exposed to those type of things. And, um, And the doctors would, you know, they would come to my house and they would sit with me and they would, you know, try to study me. And I'd be looking at them like, have you ever been through this? They're like, no. I'm like, have you ever been through that? They're like, no. And I discredited them. I lost that sense of how can you help me? How can you help me? And, you you know, all they would be able to tell me is, oh, I have this degree and I've done this many years and I have this and the other. And I could care less because I was a little child in pain and I needed someone to say, I've been through that. I had to say, I've never met as a child anyone who said it was my father. I went through this sexual abuse and this is who, this is how, this is what. I never had that as a child. So it's like I I felt Mm -hmm. alienated, isolated. I felt alone. Um, mm-hmm. and it was something embarrassing. I never talked about it. It was embarrassing. I mean, you're seeing people with their parents or, you know, even if they're not together, they, you know, they may, or even if the father's absent, they didn't have that story. And so I had shame. Um, and I was just, I was just ashamed and embarrassed to be quite honest and not mm-hmm. having anyone to be able to relate to. I think it could be very, very difficult and lonely, like you said.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It um, breaks my heart um, to hear you tell your story because I can. I'm nodding my head as you're as you're telling the story, Dr. Nance. I'm Just nodding my head because um, it is. It's just that the the shame is beyond profound, um, beyond profound. And I, you know, I was I was um, I was 48 when I was finally. I'm 53 now. I was 48 when I finally disclosed um, hmm. to my um, doctor, my therapist, my um, he's a that PhD in psychology. Um, and I've been working with him for a couple of years. It took me a couple of years to actually ever speak the words. And so I felt the same way though, because he'd been wonderful. He's very obviously accredited and he's wonderful, wonderful. But as wonderful as he was, I thought, you just can't understand this. So I was you were five when, when you disclosed. I was four I still felt I did. I felt the same way. Like how can you possibly understand? You know, you're mm-hmm. great, but there's there's another level of, of understanding that I knew here that I just I couldn't get. And that's a very lonely place. So I, I, that five-year-old girl that you described, Dr. Nancy, I just want to give her a hug.
1: Me too. I (laughs) want to hug (laughs) her. You know, and and thank God that we can do that now for others too, um, Mm -hmm. And people don't have to feel alone and don't have to feel ashamed and and can find a community and a supportive community that can understand. And then not only that, you know, the process, you know, the highs and the lows, because people think that, Oh, you went through that, and then you're' doing advocacy work and you're supporting others, and you are all but no there's this it's a healing's a lifelong journey healing's a lifelong yes. journey, and so um we understand that there are highs lows and and all types of things in between um just want to open up the mic. I don't know if anyone has a comment or um Anything they'd like to add or questions, anything like
2: that before we proceed? Okay, yeah. Um, Are you going to open up the mics, or would you like me to open up the mics? I can do that
1: now. I have it in front of me. All right, so I'm just going to open the mics. And uh, if anyone at any time would like to share. Hi. Thank you for taking on the show
0: tonight.
3: Nancy, and thank you for helping her run the show, Penelope. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just here because I'm a little concerned, and I want to voice this, that there aren't enough people that are showing up to do these shows, whether as, the, as a panelist or, or certainly as a guest. So when we don't have a, a guest, just fine, we're going to do these sort of generic shows that are discussion shows, and what we need is someone that will call in and bring up the topic. <laughs> so. We're kind of behind a, 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 what is it, a rocking a hard place, that's what it's called. Um, but I, you know, but I'm still uh, here to support whatever it is that we do. And I want people to know that there's quite a few spots coming up, um, available for, um, August. This is the last, believe it or not, this is the last day of July. Wow. Um, so. Take a look at the dates that are available and see if you'd like to call in. As far as the topic for tonight, I um, I don't have a lot of personal experience with this. I, I was not one that had suicidal ideations. I I tried to kill myself, but <laughs> I tried to kill myself with drugs and alcohol mostly, <laughs> or driving my car while I'm drunk or stuff like that. There wasn't a deliberate act to, you know, cut my wrist or whatever, anything like that. So I don't want to pretend that I was, and I don't I don't have any personal experience with it, so I I didn't want to speak up at, at, earlier.
0: Um,
3: I don't know if Philip does enough, but he's also here with right? us. Philip, thank you for showing up, too. Okay.
1: Well, thank you for that. And, yes, we are always looking for guests. Um, I know I mentioned to um, one of my friends uh, about tonight's show, so hopefully... Uh, She'll call in. She has a lot of experience in that area. She does a lot of advocacy work. Um, She's logged in, but she's in the meeting. Um, So I guess she's listening now. Maybe when she's done with her meeting, she'll be able to actually join in the conversation. Um, Okay, I see that she's on. All right, but, um, yeah, so she's in the meeting, but hopefully when she's done, she'll be able to to speak on this topic. Um, And so... You know uh, Now Philip. Hello
0: speak?
1: Hi thank you for joining us tonight My pleasure <laughs> Yeah Alright so you know Right now we're just we're talking about um, The effects of Depression the effects of uh, Dealing with Life changes dealing with child abuse Dealing with Painful situations in our lives, and how those situations uh, sometimes can cause people to lose hope and to not want to be here anymore, to lose hope and to feel like um, like giving up, like life is it, over, like there's nothing here for them in this world. And unfortunately, um, some people go through uh, suicide ideations. They'll there there be a, a chemical imbalance in their brain. They're just like at the lowest. Darkest place lowest, darkest, loneliest place I remember when I was at my lowest, lowest place at my highest level of depression, um I felt numb and I felt like a zombie, and that's the best way that I can describe it and so uh during that time i I did not see my life pass where I was living at that moment uh and so you know, and at this time, again, I had been through child abuse, sexual abuse, and all types of things. Uh, and so it did have an effect on me. And, and I didn't get the right support that I needed um, because I didn't get um, – because life happens. I don't even know if it wasn't – I mean, I try to get support. I've gotten support in the past. But it hit me. It hit me, and I fell. Uh, and so um, I went through that. Um, I wanted to open up the mic for um, Ms. Vanessa. I know that um, she does a lot of advocacy work in the community. Uh, in the area of mental health, it's something that's very serious to her, and she's a, a big voice in our community, um, in the African-American community, um, as far as advocacy work and bringing awareness to this topic, because people don't talk about it in, in all communities. This topic is not addressed enough in all communities, in the Latino community, I'm an Afro-Latina, and in my community, um, we don't talk about it. You just got to be strong, you just got to be tough, and you just got to keep it moving. So, um, uh, Ms. Vanessa, thank you for joining us tonight.
4: Hello, hello. How are you?
1: Good. I know uh, you okay. have a very busy schedule, <laughs> so thank you in between your meetings to, to take time to join us tonight. Uh, we're talking about suicide and, you know, the effects of suicide and just why people, you know, get point of taking their wanting, well, feeling like the only option is taking their lives. How how do people get to that point? So anything that you would like to share um, would be great at some point if you feel comfortable sharing your personal testimony. That would be great. Um, Hi, sir. Ms. Penelope shared a little bit of hers and um, would love to hear from you. Anything you need to share?
4: Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Um, You know, many of us don't get the help because we're ashamed because of our culture, of course, that culture insensitivity where what goes on in the house stays in the house. Um, You go through different life stages. And some of us are not prepared emotionally or spiritually to handle or mentally to handle those. Um, I'm a survivor and a sibling survivor. My older brother passed from suicide six years ago, which is a U.S. Army decorated veteran. And I was in recovery um, this May. I did attempt to take my life. And I was gone for about four days, but then um, woke up in ICU on a ventilator and was told that I would not live. Why did I do that? I'm not proud of it. And I... Tell myself I don't ever want to do that again Because I don't wish that on my worst enemy Going through a 27-year divorce um, Going through the death of my brother Right after that Going through an um, episode where my sister was in a very bad car car accident Just getting out And um, the decline of um, my father's health And just what was going on with me So much So, so much So very much That I was carrying And I am a woman of God And a woman <clears throat> excuse me, of faith Um, However, learning that God also places people in our path um, that are um, experienced as a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Um, And I just really urge people to no longer be ashamed. You know, if you have something going on and you reach the bottom, I know what it's like to to reach the bottom, which is hopeless. You don't have any hope. You feel like nobody cares. Nobody understands you. Um, And these are real, real legitimate um, mind sets that we go through when we are at the end of ourselves um, and just tired because it just seems like it's just so much and that we can't even get a grip of one thing before five more come um, and hit us again. So it's so important, uh, one, to stop the stigma by reaching out and asking for help, asking for help. There are so many therapists. There are so many, um, well, I won't say so many because there has been a decline since COVID, but there are people out here to help you, whether they are therapists, whether it's my organization, SDP3 Incorporated, where we're 501C3, that we are internally or internationally on a mission to eradicate suicide. And, you know, I shared this before I end, you know, people look at me as a strong person. You're so strong. No, it's not me. It's my faith. But then... People also understand that what you see, you see from the outside, you don't know what I go through um, when the doors are closed. And it's so important for us to even understand with social media, people try to keep up with the Joneses. Some of that stuff is not even true. First of all, we need to check ourselves. We all have mental health, and there is no health without mental health.
1: Thank you for sharing that. That was so necessary. Um, I know we talked about this in the past, but um, people are going through that right now. Um, people are going through – I'm just going to mute you a little bit just for your background, but I'm going to open it up in one second. Um, people are going through so much right now, and they're just being told you have to be strong. You just got to be strong. And uh, when you do reach out for help, sometimes people think you're reaching – you're looking for attention, How do you, you know, how do you overcome? Have you ever uh, felt that, like, felt like it wasn't safe to come forward? It wasn't safe to talk to anyone. I mean, did you harbor these feelings inside by yourself? How did you, how did you come out for help? How did you come
4: out for help? First, one thing that we have to do is, so many of us, aces, aces, is adverse childhood experiences. We all have aces. We come from Um, that environment that we were raised in. So those environments, whether good or or not good, they affect us until we hit that wall and realize this is no longer working for me and this is not my personality or this doesn't feel right to my soul. Um, Having and creating healthy boundaries is so critical, you know, and again, we know all too well from our childhood, those of us that did not have the greatest relationships within the Family unit, but but they did the best they could with what they had. But back then, they didn't go get help. You know, they did what they needed to do, whether it was to drink, sex, gamble, whatever it was, to medicate the feeling. But today, you have to you have to reach out to a safe individual, a safe circle. Um, I would say always have at least two or three praying um, spiritual partners that um, have lived experiences, because. If I'm talking to someone without, and I have, I've spoken to my sister that does not have a lived experience, it's like I'm talking in another language to her, and I get it. So I don't talk too much about it unless she's asked, Um, or unless she asks me for, for information around that, because it's just like they don't get it. But yet and still, she has her own issues but has not faced those. So there are some of us that are sick and tired of being sick and tired and having to face ourselves. And that can be the most challenging thing, sitting with yourself. Some of the things, it's not, a, it's not our fault that, that happened to us. But as we become older, yes, we are accountable. The word says that we perish for a lack of knowledge. And so many of us are perishing because we don't have the knowledge. Now, I have the knowledge. I have the lived experience. I have all of that, the education. But it became too heavy of a burden for me to carry. And I didn't release as I should have released. And it was a lonely road um, because not many people understand um, uh, when you're going through a divorce. I had a therapist that, that I had to switch because she had never been married. So if you had never been married, what can you share with me about a relationship, especially a divorce or a marriage, I should say. So you have to be very, very mindful, mindful and very meticulous. To advocate for yourself by seeking out people that can help you. Everybody can't help you, but there are some out here that can. So my um, answer to that question is um, finding someone that's safe for you, that feels good to you, when you talk when you talk to them, and um, they are providing a source of healing and hope.
2: That was good. Real good. It's Dr. Nancy. It's Penelope. Can I can I chime in for a second? Yes um, Vanessa, I just want to say, um wow, thank you for um thank you for disclosing and sharing what you did. I'm um You're welcome that was so you know well stated and you know Dr. Nancy also had said something, and I believe that you reiterated in your comments the the aces and the trauma. First of all, it's just not something that you get over. So, you know, there are certain things that you just don't get over. Um, staying conscious, staying on the path of healing, I call it my daily work. And I may, you know, maybe somebody else's mess, you know, I did not ask to be molested at home, but I'm responsible for cleaning it up. And there was, there's a loss involved in a lot of these, you know, in the ACE study, which... I didn't take child as an adult. I had nine out of ten. Um, there is loss in grief. And one thing I, in my own experience, and I, I think I heard, you know, there were some nuances of this in, in what you shared and what Dr. Nancy shared. Um, please don't tell me or anyone to get over or move on. You know, we don't, I move forward every day, but this is a loss. Profound loss of my innocence um, or whatever the loss is that one experiences, such as divorce. And um, it is nothing that I, I just don't like the I have a hard time with to get over it. You haven't walked in my shoes. Please respect, right? Please respect the fact that this is loss. It is grief. And it never goes away. It ebbs and flows. But it's managed, but it's it's just something that, and once I realized that there was not this finish line that I was racing for, I accepted that. For me, that was helpful. So I just, um, I want to thank you for what you said, and it, that just resonated with me um, in terms of, you know, when others hear or for those that are trying to understand, um, there is a profound there's loss and grief, um and it's something that it's just you know it's not a finish line, it's something to get over and move on, so I just wanted to to uh jump in and, and say thank you for bringing up what you did.
4: You're amazing Vanessa. i thank you thank you, thank you so much God. be praised yeah,
1: um Penelope, thank you for that. That was good um don't tell me to get over it um i think um also people who have never experienced it they just don't know and they just have no connection to it i mean i understand there's certain things i have no connection to because i haven't experienced it um you know and so it is important to find community of people who can who understand all right or um A lot of times, people who have lost someone, they go into the area of advocacy, supporting survivors, and doing that type of work because they their heart is in it, right? Their heart's in it. They are connected to it, just like NASCA Stop Child Abuse Now. The main thing here is Stop Child Abuse. Why? Because the source is from uh, child abuse recovery. Uh, but in that area of child abuse recovery, there are a lot of different legs to the spider. There's the, you know, some people suffer from depression, from um, anxiety, addiction. You know, um, uh, some people end up killing people. Some people end up taking their own lives. So, uh, you know, it's it's just a, a big blanket of different things that come with it, and so. If there's an area that you have struggled with and you have overcome and you're able to lend a hand to someone else and help them out of that dark hole or give them just a little bit of hope, just a little bit of hope. Because when you're in that dark hole, you are hopeless. You don't see past where you are in that moment. And so you lose, so you get knocked on the side of your head. And you have amnesia. You you lose memory. You lose just hope. And so um, for us to be able to forward and share these stories is so important. Um, What would you say to someone who, you know, I know you said also that you lost uh, your brother to suicide. Someone who, I mean, how, how did you, can you tell us a little bit about that story? Or if you don't feel comfortable telling us a little bit more about that story, would you be able to tell us? how you and your family have been working to overcome,
4: to get through some of that healing? Um, well, I do my own work. I'm responsible for, for Vanessa. I'm not responsible for anybody else. Um, I did help his daughter. Um, She's still a survivor. Um, but it was very hard for me because it's five of us. I'm the youngest, and he and I was the closest. And I was uh, very <clears throat> excuse me, um, vital in his care. But he just got to the point of where he was tired. And then also a veteran. The veterans go out for the vets so or the active <clears throat> armed forces. They go out to protect us, but then they come back mangled mentally because of what they have to do to save themselves and save us. And so, you know, they, one, can't get the proper, the proper um, resources and the proper care from the very place that sent them there, which is, or the place that's connected to them, which is the VA, Veteran Administration. So that was one of the issues there. And I work with veterans as well. Um, and that is one of their main, um, that's one of their main complaints. And it, it is the truth. Um, There's a lot of veterans that are homeless, that are on the streets, that, care, that I have the signs. Um, the way I deal, deal, deal with that is just how I deal with it now. Um, having multiple therapists, getting uh, therapy, taking my medication, I take two pills a day, I'm um, getting in groups. I'm in CODA, Codependency codependency Anonymous, which many people don't really realize that everybody has some, some sort of codependency in them that, that's, that comes from childhood that we don't even know why. We are so mixed up, damaged, or controlling because of the way we were raised and being a product of our environment. So my key thing is as long as I live on this earth and I know that I have a reason, I know that I have a purpose. Um, is to educate the masses and to share my story unapologetically because I've learned that when you're standing the truth, people can identify that more in truth than when you falsify it or when you come from an educational um, um, and not have the lived experience, two different things. So I just continue to take care of myself and doing the best that I can with all that I have going on in my life. yeah. I'm glad you, you made that statement
1: earlier uh, when we were speaking. I shared that when I was five years old, I went through um, child sexual abuse, that was my father, and um, and I also shared that I used to sit down with counselors who would try to question me, study me. I felt like a little study rat, you know, they were asking me these questions, and then when I would ask them, have you been through this, have you been through that, their answer was always no. and so. It, it discredited them in my eyes. I'm like, you're not even, you can't, how are you gonna help me? Uh, because I felt I needed someone who I could see who went through similar things that I went through, who is surviving and could help me survive uh, instead of someone who's questioning me to figure out how I'm surviving so that they can better do their job and or counsel other people. And so I just, it, it wasn't helpful for me. I didn't want to be studied. I want. I needed help in a different way. And uh, and so I, I I don't know if I was just being resistant, but I wasn't able to get the help when I was younger. Um, and so, you know, that was very important, what you said as far as, you know, you need someone who, who uh, actually has the, the lived experience. So even sometimes when I talk to um, a peer support specialist, I know I had one of my children had a diagnosis. Uh, back in the days, I had got a peer support parent to, uh, to help support me through uh, that situation, and um, and it was very helpful to me because she had lived experience, she knew what questions to ask, she was able to help hold my hand and support me through it, and later on I became a peer support parent um, because I wanted to be able to, to offer that same gift that was given to me to, to be able to support someone and say, look, I understand, I got you, you're not by yourself, let's maneuver through this thing called life, uh, and so the fact that you're doing the work, uh you are literally your boots on the ground. What caused you to start your organization? I know you started uh, you do a lot, not just your organization, but um what you how did you get started? If you can just give us a little background about what what you're really doing, uh, in the mental health field and um that would be great.
4: Sure, absolutely. I want to, first of all, piggyback on advocacy is what you're talking about. I had the same issue when my brother passed six years ago where the psychiatrist told me that if I didn't get the electric brain stimulation, that she would have taken me off her record. And I said, was it your brother that took his life? Has anyone ever taken their life? Have you ever been depressed? Have you ever attempted? Do you? And they couldn't answer okay, well, take me off and I'll, you know, I'll find, find another. And that's advocacy. And I'm learning that it's okay to not to to not agree on someone that you're going to have to be comfortable with because if you're just a number, and that's one thing that I really, really despise of people just being a number to check off. You've been here long enough, insurance is paid, insurance is not paid, whatever the case may be. But then that's where advocacy comes from. Sometimes the the, the consumer or the patient may not can advocate for themselves. But, you know, it's so important for us to be able to advocate, saying yes or no. I got started with this um, shortly after my brother passed uh, because I was a survivor. And then I just saw how um, so many in my community, the African-American community, live by what goes on in this house, stays in this house. But yet We're losing our lives. We're strung out on drugs or we are misusing substance, substances. Um, and it goes on and on and on, killing one another. Um, that, that all stems from an ace and something that has not been um, identified, usually up under that big old um, iceberg, is anger. You know, the fear, the glacier is anger. So we need to get to the root of that thing in order for healing to start. And when I teach or when I speak, I always say, because this is what I have to do, I have to go back to the pain in order to start healing. If I'm afraid to go back to the pain, healing will not take place. So it's just so important um, for us to not be afraid to go back there because that's where the healing takes takes place. And some of our services is um, I am a certified mental health teacher, mental health first aid teacher, where I teach um, adult first aid, which I'll have one on Friday virtually. I teach youth mental health first aid. We have our own curriculum, evidence-based trauma-informed curriculum on ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, veterans, um, COVID-19, um, first responders, as well as just uh, suicide um, itself, suicide prevention itself. And I offer those courses um, to different um, agencies across the world. And, um, you know, it's, it's just my job for someone to read better um, once they encounter my presence with teaching or or speaking or presenting or teaching uh, uh, facilitating that they will leave better with some sort of education and a grip of, okay, this is what I need to do, because everybody is not on the same page. Everybody is not – everybody's trauma does not look the same. So we have to get to each level of that person, and even our own, first of all. I can't heal anybody if I'm not healed. It's like I took some time off going through this divorce. Um, it's final now, but I can't – I have to take the time that I needed to heal, Heal people, heal people, hurt people, hurt people. And with the hurt people, there's so much within them that they are not willing to look at and to blame others for their pain and trauma, which I was there, but I'm no longer there. I'm learning to be accountable for my actions, for my thoughts, being mindful and uh, who I am and who I am not.
1: Thank you so much, Liz, Vanessa. Um, You know, I remember when I was working on my healing, I just focused on um my work as an artist. And I just really really just wanted I didn't want anyone to know about my background or what I the, what I had been through or anything like that. I didn't want anybody to know me as that. I wanted to just make it big as I was doing like celebrity hair and uh that's what I was known for in Massachusetts. So, you know, I really just like put my past in the back burner, and I just focused on blowing up. I had my office, I had my school, I had my salon, and I was just doing it, right? And then one day, I got, like, smacked down. I, got, I mean, I got smacked down. Um, I lost everything in my divorce. Um, it was very nasty, and um, I became a single parent with my children, and um, and my husband just became absent, and that's a whole other story for another day. Uh, But anyways, I had to pretty much start from scratch, and uh, it was really put on me and forced on me to come back to the base, to where it started, uh, and, and my background. And I did not. I cried. I was so mad at God. I was so mad at him because I really did not want to talk about my past. I wanted to focus on my success today, right? Uh, But how dare I? God told me. He said, how dare you survive and not help others survive? And I I remember I started crying. I was so mad at him. But really what he was trying to show me was that it was bigger than me. And so, you know, the selfish me and the embarrassed, ashamed me wanted to just put all that in the past and focus on the professional career and the the work today on a a whole other level. But guess what? We went through what we went through because we're healers and we're helping other people survive. Uh, even, you know, Ms. Penelope shared earlier some of her testimony. I know you missed some of it, but very powerful, very powerful. And um, as a survivor, I, uh, as a uh, sexual child abuse survivor and also as a suicide survivor, I'm listening to her story like, wow, wow wow, you're needed in this world. Um, you know, I've heard, I, I know that you don't know uh, Mr. Bill's on the phone, and he's uh, the president of the company of, of NASCA, the show. Um, and he's a survivor of abuse, and his testimony, very powerful. Actually, he, he's not on right this minute. He actually left. Uh, but he was on uh, most of the time. And then, you know, we have Philip. He's been through a lot, and he's with us tonight. And each one of you all, uh, that's on this line right now have overcome so much adversity at different levels, but you're still here. So it reminds us that it's bigger than us, and we have so much work to do. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you all. Even I'm thanking myself, uh, but I just want to say thank you all for for uh, knowing that it's bigger than you, knowing that it's bigger than us. But knowing that is bigger than you individually
2: speaking to you all. This is You're very Natalie. welcome. Thank you, thank you, Dr. Nancy, yes, um, and and Vanessa. Thank you so much. In fact, uh, Vanessa said something and um, about you know the fact that you have to take responsibility and um, and deal with the trauma. You know, um, it's it's you may not be the one that caused the trauma, but it is. You have to bring it out. This is what I heard Vanessa. You have to bring it out. You have to take responsibility, and you have to deal with it. And it just reminds me of a quote um, that I used from um, Dr. Dorothy Nettermeyer in an article that I had written for um, Child Abuse um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and she said the following. And so Vanessa just reminded me of that, what you said, is that um, the, you know, um, the oldness of um, what you don't know won't hurt you has prolifer- proliferated for many years and does not hold true for any issue um, because it, it does. It, it's, you got to get it out. Um, and Vanessa, so Vanessa, you mentioned that, and um, I, that just really resonated with me because, yes, you have to get it out. You have to deal with the pain. But um, I remember a quote from the book, on um, The Courage to Heal, which is like the only thing I read, by the way. I just couldn't even read the book. I just couldn't go there. But I remember reading this, and I didn't understand the time, the inception of the, of the healing journey was, um, the only way out is through like the only way out of the pain is to go through it. And so thank you for saying that because, you know, I talked about how the anguish, but getting it out and going through, I mean, I live, I live a very hopeful life. I have a very content life. Um, and I'm so thankful that I have had the opportunity to heal, um, and to actually, you know, as I continue to do work, it's, it's a blessing. So, um,
0: you brought you that
2: up thank you. Um, like tonight, like 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 disclosing and sharing what I what I shared even tonight, even to have you know um, the opportunity and the platform to be able to say what happened um, and to know that um, unfortunately you know I'm not alone um, and that um, what Nancy had just said about you know Vanessa's testimony, my testimony, her own testimony, yours fill up the work bills is that we are needed you know we are needed and there was you know there's to be able to to get it out and do the advocacy work um sort of a way that i have found i've rewritten my own history you know the way to change history is to change a pattern so instead of holding things inside and not dealing with them and letting them consume me um, i'm able to get them out um and uh and in my and in my in my own healing and, and what i share you know i may you know i'm letting others know that they're not alone um and, uh, and so in that way, I get to rewrite history because I'm, I'm changing that pattern, if that makes sense. So um, it's a way to rewrite history um, because history is a pattern. You can change the pattern and you're changing the course of history. You know, as, as Vanessa shares, as you share, you share, Philip, you're coming on the show. Um, and I believe it was either Nancy or Vanessa, Dr. Nancy, excuse me, Dr. Nancy, Dr. Nancy or, or Vanessa that mentioned and I apologize. Um I should Dr. Nancy's earned her title and I should not um forget that. Um but uh okay. um you know, always we just associate a little bit right when we're talking about our past and so i I get a little bit um cloudy, but um which is just part of my healing. I'm aware of it and I just try and move forward. Um but um that I lost my train of thought, sorry. <laughs> Um, but it, it's just in disclosing it, Philip, and, and being able to um, to change that. i the first one in my family. You may be the first one in your family. Dr. Nancy may be the first one. Maybe not. But but the pattern, as, as I believe Dr. Nancy mentioned, you know, my mom's generation, my parents' generation, you know, these things happen. They didn't say anything. You know, you know, no one. You know, they were kept secret. Um, so even bringing things out in the open and actually speaking of what happened is changing a pattern of secrecy um, and actually bringing things out so they can be dealt with and acknowledged um, because I know that I'm not the only one in my family that has these experiences. Um, so hopefully maybe one, one day um, that will help someone else come forward. So maybe, does that answer your question?
1: that was perfect that was perfect so much shame and condemnation and as we continue to rise up as we continue to stand up you know we're helping the next generation come forward uh and hopefully we're making enough of a difference where we're helping to prevent suicide that's really the goal right um I know, like I said, I, I got a chance to hear your story tonight for the first time, uh, Penelope. I, I think, I mean, I know I've heard some of your story, but I never really, like, heard your story, and I heard your story, and I felt your story, and um, I just want to say again, you know, just thank you all for, for being strong enough to rise up and to be a voice for the voiceless. There's so many people that are not not at that place um, in their healing journey where they're comfortable sharing. Um, I do hair loss, hair restoration, hair extension. So there's times I spend time on people's head. You know, I wash their hair. I massage their scalp. I'm doing their hair. And while I'm doing that, they, you know, and if I share about my story, I share about my book, I share about, what i've been through sometimes they're like i've never told nobody my father did this i never told nobody this happened they tell me things in secrecy and i'm like okay don't worry about it i don't know nobody you know and i'm not gonna talk your business i know too many people stuff i'm not telling (laughs) you know but the fact that they found a a, area, a time they've never told nobody but they find us or even they come on this show. My first time on this show, I was boo-hoo-hooing, nodding. I was crying. I was like, because oh. <laughs> I wasn't like I wanted to share, but I wasn't really ready to share. But I was like, I'm just going to do this uh, because it was just that right time. But everything that we're doing in the community, uh, it does not go unnoticed. You know, um, someone's watching and someone is get, getting getting. Strength and a sense of hope from the work. Um, so thank you, uh ladies for sharing tonight. Philip, I know that you also, you know, you are walking in your own healing, different areas, personally, different areas, but um also some of the, the fact that you've been voicing yourself, um, so much growth and um and sharing just know that your voice matters, and you're also helping make an impact and a difference in the lives of so many people. Just wanted to say that as well, Cacela. Thank you. Uh, you're
0: welcome.
4: Priscilla. Can I also just jump questions? in, too, doctor? Yes. Yes. You just yes. mentioned you working in a beauty shop. I had a several-year program that was called SDP P three Shop Talks where people really wouldn't speak up. And I did tell the owner, you know, you probably need to get trained yourself so that you can identify certain things. Because, yeah, people talk in a barbershop and in a beauty shop, but let's talk mental health because we're all struggling in some shape, form, or fashion. So I just want to share that with you. Thank you.
1: And you're right. And that could be a good place to start the conversation, places that you wouldn't normally like. Some people don't feel comfortable going to the doctor's office, going to the counselors, because growing up, like you said, what happens in this house faces many of us in different ethnicities and different cultures, through doing these shows, we keep hearing so many similarities from survivors of child abuse um in different countries, you know different cultures uh, and they're they're you know looked at as a perfect culture, but that's because they're they're, they're taught the importance of keeping the morale in the family, keeping the respect in a family, and keeping the facade, right, and not telling about the abuse. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're learning so much. But putting this information in places where um, people can have some access to, doing these shows, you know, sharing, talking, um, creating these businesses to, to support mental health, all these things definitely are all parts of making a difference in the communities that we serve and again what I was saying earlier was really that I'm just so proud to be a part of what you all are doing and the work that we're doing in the community because what it what what it really is is bigger than us it's really bigger than us so even if we uh if this outlives us this will outlive us no matter what the work that we're doing but um, is bigger than us, and, and and I didn't stay selfish. I didn't stay selfish with this fake uh, world. Like, oh, everything's great. I'm just fabulous. But you know what? There's a little girl that was watching me when I was doing hair. I've been doing. I've been in the industry for over 30 years. I know that sounds like a lot, but it is a lot. But I was I was a young kid when I got in the industry, so I've been in the industry for over 30 years. So there was somebody watching me when I was, uh, at, you know, I, my office was on Newbury Street in Boston. That's the highest point of Massachusetts you can ever get to. That's the most expensive street in Massachusetts. When you made it to Newbury Street, you made it to the top. There's nothing else further than that. And that's what um, when Newbury Street is, and people who know Massachusetts will understand. Um, so, okay, I had that, but it was bigger than that. That wasn't where God, where I was supposed to stop at. I had to even get out of there to go to my next level of, of something bigger than me because I was becoming just selfish about my goals that I wanted to meet. But the plan was to help the math community and to help others heal. And, and when I, um, uh, I still shut down after my sister passed away, that's when I started to open my mouth. So I wrote my book. I was mad at God. I was mad at God. That's first part. He forced me to write that book. I wanted to write a hair loss book and focus on my professional career. I wrote that book that he forced me to write. In three months, okay, 300 and some odd pages, wrote it. In the middle of the book, my mother got stage three cancer. Nobody knows my favorite number is three. My phone number ends in 3333. And everything he does a lot of times is in threes because that's how he connects to me because he deals with us as little children. And that's just for the believers, okay? Now, um, so I wrote that book. Only reason I finished it because in the middle of the book she got diagnosed. Other than that, I would have still been dragging my feet because I never finished the hair loss book. He knows how I was. Uh, And I'm saying all that to say because it is bigger than us. And so I had to go through what I had to grow through what I had to go through to help others and to remember that it was bigger than us. And if anybody would like to make a comment or can relate, please do. I don't want to take over my testimony.
4: You're right. It's it's bigger than us. And God knows that if I can help everybody, I would, but I know I can't. But as long as I leave my footprint in somebody's heart and soul that Vanessa has been here, and because of her, I, I have found hope. I have learned, and when I do become hopeless, or may may have ideations, I know how to reach out. I know how to tap into my resources. I know how to meditate. I know how to uh, manifest mentally. Uh, doing these things that need exercise, whatever it is that is needed and necessary for that individual to bounce back, because. Everybody has their day, and my thing is, let's get it before the thing. Let's do some pre-work before we have to do an invention, and have to do the post-work and and all of right. that. So, and then a lot of people are afraid of mental illness. I don't, I'm not sure why, because we, again, we all have mental health. We all have mental health. So, yes, thank you so much.
2: You know, um, Dr. Nancy it's and I, I do want to say that um when I was going through my the healing process in inception and re, you know, starting to to bring up um, repressed memories and they were repressed because I had remembered them but I never actually spoken to them. i always wanted to clarify that. My repressed memory was just I call it repressed because the conscious memory was there but I couldn't speak of it. Um And so I was just going, Oh my gosh, like because I was allowing myself to actually speak of these things. Then there were actually some actual repressed memories. Things started coming into my consciousness that I had completely repressed. And I was going, Oh my gosh. And then me, and this happened to me. And this, you know, it was very me focused because you know, another day, another memory would come forward. Um, But it wasn't until I came on the NASCA show and I, I did what you did. I don't know. I had just disclosed for the first time to my psychologist that I had been sexually abused. And um, like the next week, I booked with Bill to come tell my story. Don't ask me why, because I really hadn't told anybody else. But I think there's, as an aside, there's something in that that says, okay, I'm not allowing you to put this back in. Once you tell the world, it's out there. You can't take it back. Like your healing is going to continue no matter what. It was almost like an insurance policy. That's my two cents on it. But after... Coming on the show on NASCAR for the first time and, and just telling my story, that is exactly what you said. What I realized is is that I had become a part of something so much bigger than myself, that the issue was so much bigger than myself. And I'd really never been involved And uh, yeah, I didn't share any work here and there, but on the magnitude of the work that, that needs to be done, that it is done um, for um, the awareness Um, of um, child abuse and, and, and um, the impact of trauma, Um, the feeling of actually lending oneself to the cause there's, i have never experienced anything like it. And it is, it is a wonderful feeling. um, And it also does provide hope. So thank you for saying that Dr. Nancy, because really, that really, really resonates with me. And, and, um, and I'm, I'm um, it's hard work. It's difficult work, but it's, it's, it's uh, to be of service is something that um, it's been the silver lining really, the collateral beauty of this and um, and so it is has giving me that opportunity to experience it. Thank you, thank you, but you know,
1: Vanessa, would you like to make a comment or reply? Um, are
0: you talking to me? No. Oh.
4: You no, know, she's on point. I mean, this conversation <laughs> is on point. You know, it re- it really is
0: mm-hmm. from everybody.
4: And the thing, the important thing is, we, we, I will be on this healing journey until I take my last breath. You know, learning how to identify my triggers, learning how to, and my pe- triggers are usually family, people, places, or things And then being able to, you know, do the mindful um, work as it relates to meditation and
1: and that healing
4: piece and setting boundaries.
1: It's been the word of the year, uh, of the last two years for me personally, but I think,
4: you know, so recently,
1: learning how to set boundaries. Um, and, you know, a, a couple of you guys made the comment about codependency and learning to really set those boundaries. And I think um, as we continue to grow and learn, uh, we understand how to better heal and how to better love ourselves. I want to drop a couple of statistics really quickly before we reach the end of the, the, we we have 26 minutes, well, 25 in a couple of seconds, but uh, 26 right now. So I just want to share a couple of statistics, if I may, Um, you know, someone dies by suicide every 40 seconds every 40 seconds. So only because we haven't been impacted personally by suicide, we don't want to wait till it happens to us. We don't want to wait till it hits our our home or our doorstep. And so that's why we're doing these shows to talk about healing, suicide prevention, child abuse, all of that, because Child abuse can lead to suicide, okay? Going through different forms of child abuse can lead people to suicide. So that's why this topic is important. Uh, Over 800,000 people die by suicide each year, okay? In the U.S., suicide is the 10th leading cause of death. And another one is half of all suicides involve firearms. Um, You know, I have a firearm myself, um, but... You know that that's something that's going on. Uh, unfortunately, in Georgia, you don't need a license. I I got my firearm when I had my when I got my license, but now in Georgia, you don't need a license. So there's times I'm in meetings and people walk in and be like, "Yeah, last night we had two suicides, uh, two kids." I'm like, what? like it's becoming so nonchalant and so normal that it's kind of like. It doesn't affect nobody until it happens to them. Okay, it's not serious to you because that hasn't happened to you. So you're going to wait till it happens to you for it to be taken seriously. Okay, you know I'm 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 just saying that's what's happening because I'm in the background. Um, I know, Miss um, Vanessa, you've done a lot of work in the community with different organizations, and I know you've heard the conversations because it,
4: it, it is,
1: we have a lot of access. In the mental health field, to some of these conversations, and for me, is this so too prevalent for me? Um, I have another statistic: suicide impacts individuals and communities, which is true. Suicide has an economic impact, so it says here, sixty-nine billion per year in the United States. Okay, that's just a little bit of. Um, so one of the things I want to ask, why do people take their own lives, okay? Um, there's obviously not a single reason why people take their own lives. There are multiple factors, you know, some people are dealing with depression, mental illness, uh, they're dealing with economic changes. Uh, the rent of cost of living is going up. Uh, cost of eggs is going up, right? Everything's going up. Um, uh family dynamics have changed. People are going through divorce. People have uh DYS, whatever different cities different states call it where you have child protective services coming in your life, you have different things going on. Some people are experiencing a, an illness, okay? they. Some people have this bipolar disorder, and they don't even know that they have mm-hmm. bipolar disorder. After going through child abuse or sexual abuse or physical abuse, some people develop an eating disorder. Some people are dealing with PTSD. Some people are dealing with substance use disorders. Uh, psychosis, personality disorders, uh, and so the list goes on, uh, chronic health conditions, right? Uh, some people have had head trauma, so we don't talk enough about that. And sometimes it's just historical factors, our family, somebody in the family had uh, bipolar and that's passed down, somebody in the family has had depression and that's passed down, somebody in the family has dealt with sexual abuse and that's passed down. Uh, and so, yeah, environmental factors, you know, um, again, we're talking about the, the cost of living and different things that are going on. Some people have access to lethal means. Unfortunately, you may not have a gun, but maybe someone who you live with, a grandparent, or somebody else may have a gun. And so, um, you know, those are things that we have to take into account and talk about. Um we understand that talking about it can help save lives. A lot of times, again, we feel that talking about it can be taboo or talking about it will make someone think about it, and that's not true. If someone's thinking about it, they're thinking about it. So all you're doing is just calling it out and probably, hopefully, saving a life, you know, asking someone, hey,
4: are you thinking about
1: taking your life? If you ask that question, you're not wrong because, again, um Uh, that's something they're probably thinking about, okay? I just want to run one last thing before um, I'm done. I want to just go up the ladder. There are four ways to find out um, if someone's thinking about taking their life. The first one is um, ask them, are you thinking about suicide? Um, I know that might sound kind of blunt, but guess what? They're either going to say yes or no. The next one is, hey, uh, do you have a plan, you know? and if Can, you I, I, have can plan. I
4: interject respectfully, quickly? Yes.
1: yes.
4: So to that first question, what I teach in mental health first aid, we're taught to say, are you thinking about killing yourself? And that has okay. been, that in the beginning, that was hard for me. And it, it my um, class, it would be hard for them. So there is a, a whole um, activity for them to get mm. used to that word. And, you know, when you say it like that, you know, hey, are you are you thinking of killing yourself or somebody else? Because killing and harming are two different things. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, I said see? suicide. So I just. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. I said harming. No, 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 no. You said suicide, but I'm I'm saying su- okay, from some so of the curriculum that I harming. teach with mental health right. first aid. mm Mhm. Yeah. Yes. Killing Thank does
1: you. sound kind of harsh, girl. As a matter of fact, when I said suicide, I, I know suicide is harsh. Killing it sounds is. a little harsher to me, so I think it, it kind of like punched me in the face when you said
4: killing yourself. So that was good. Mm-hmm. But that that's what good. we're taught. That's what we're taught. And these many mental health organizations throughout the world to be straight to the point
1: and not bounce yes. around
4: it. But you know, again, killing, saying killing and harming is two different things. Right, You know, you right. say suicide, but I just wanted to yeah. bring that but up. Killing, no, that, that was, was an good. issue I had. Yeah. yeah. Right. I
1: did the uh, first first health mental health state. I did the youth one, but I think that I know that the adult one is probably a little more detailed. I think that that was good. Killing actually punched me in the face when you said it, so that was good. I like that. That was good. So, are you thinking? Do you have thoughts uh, about suicide, or do you have thoughts about killing yourself? Because that makes it it really puts it in perspective. What's your thought about that, Miss Penelope?
2: You know i I mean my thoughts are that I really appreciate the um direction because I think we do struggle with well, what do I say? you know I don't want to say the wrong thing um, mm. or we're you know we're, we just don't know what to say, even if we you know have a family member that's that's you know we have our own personal experience, still, I think it sometimes we just feel free and don't know what to say um so I think that just the guidance is really helpful on you know this is this is something that you should consider, right? Leading with that will be helpful. Um, so, you know, I, I appreciate that because I, I, like myself, I still, you know, I just tiptoe, I still tiptoe because I feel like I don't want, I guess because I know that like for me, triggers are a landmine, um, mm-hmm. some triggers I'm, I'm aware of, and I know how to manage and some of my own triggers, but I still don't really know where they're coming from. Um, And so I I always feel like I don't want to trigger someone. You know, I'm very sensitive to that. Mm. So I I think to have that guidance is very, very helpful. And I think, you know, I always feel like I'd rather, This is kind of like when I would run to my kids to the doctor all the time, you know, my husband would just roll his eyes. So I'd rather overreact and have it be nothing than underreact and have it be something. You know, I just don't want to bury my head in denial. So I think, you know, to take action is important when sometimes we just want to retreat. Mm. That was good.
1: All right. So I have um and that was true. I can I can definitely relate to that one. So number two, and Ms. Vanessa, if you I know that you teach the uh first health, first aid mental health adults. So if you see something, please jump in. So number two that I have here is do they have a plan for how they would end their lives? So that's the second step on going up the ladder is asking, Do you have a plan? How how would you take your life? Or how would you kill yourself? I mean, that word, kill yourself, for me, it was like, whew, it made me kind of come back, like, wait, I don't want to kill myself. Um, but anyways, um, that's the way that they have it here is how would you, you know, go about uh, ending your life? And uh, then number three we have, um, uh, do you have what you need? Do you have what? needed to carry out this plan? What are your means, right? What are their means? Finding out what their means are. Do you have what you would need to carry out this plan? And that would be if they're like, yep, I got a firearm, I got a kitchen knife, I have a slingshot, I have a, I'm going to go to the cliff, I'm going to go excuse me, in front of the train, do they have the means, right? So now we found out, do they have the thought, do they have the plan, do they have the means? And then the last one is, hey, um, have you set a, a time frame that you uh, that you're um gonna go through with this plan, and that now creates the time frame if they do all of that, that's like emergency nine one one if they're answering all those questions like that, but definitely if you guys have any other um anything else I know that you teach a class on this as well, miss Vanessa feel free to share anything else um, that you may that could be helpful to our listeners as far as the the, the red flags.
4: Sometimes there are not red flags, but if a person is going to do it, we will do it. That was good. That's true. Um, and, and that is um, my own personal experience and then dealing with others. Sometimes people will look normal and like everything is okay. And then somebody, and this is a, several true stories of where I was contacted some years ago, and her daughter took her life, but she didn't leave any type of signs that she was depressed. Um, it, it is just important to just check in with people, you know, just, just to check in with people. One of the things that a red flag is when a person is is acting or behaving the opposite of what they usually, the their usual behavior is a major, major red flag. Um, or not, again, it's it, it's different for everybody, and that's why it's so important for us to get educated. And with that being said, I'll be offering a virtual mental adult mental health first aid on Friday from 9 to 2.30 if anybody is interested. We still have um, some spaces available to learn so that you can get your certification in mental health um, and wellness. So it's, it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. How do they sign up for this program? Uh, and what's the cost? There is no cost for this one. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they just sign up. They would need to uh, send me an email. Um, and my email, stop suicide, one word, at S as in self, D as in discovery, dash, P as in Paul, P as in Paul, P as in Paul, dot com. Stop suicide at SD dash ppp.com and we would need to get you signed up by tomorrow because there's pre-work that's going to be uh, needed to be completed before Friday so if anybody's interested you're definitely welcome to join this one this particular one is, is not really free but this is a, a grant um, grant paid um, course and we'll have many more of those coming up this year with different curriculum so thank you for allowing me to share
1: um So we want to thank you for coming on on such a short notice and being such a wonderful welcome um, and opening up your story, your personal story. Um, You have poured into us and you have created a safe space for others to feel that they're able to share. But not only did you do that, you also have provided some good resources and opened up a free class for anyone who's interested in getting trained. Now, is this the adult class?
4: This is the adult class, but I'll be offering a youth class up think either next month or the next uh, following month. But I know September is usually busy for me since it's Suicide Prevention Month. But we have a lot of stuff going on. You can also visit our website, um, www. SdP3.org, and maybe join our newsletters to find out what's going on. Reach out to me if you want to volunteer. We have, again, just as you said, Doc, earlier. I mean, there's so much work to be done. Everybody is not going to be able to finish it before we leave here, but we can. We we definitely can uh, leave footprints in the hearts of the um, hearts and souls that we come in contact with. Wow. Thank you so much.
1: And so they will contact you by
4: email. That's the best way. Um, email to, e- or website. Because on the website, oh. there is a, a page that they can fill out and contact me. Thank
1: you so much. And I'm interested in that adult class, so I don't know who's not going to take advantage of this opportunity, but I will.
4: <laughs>
1: uh, what time is this class?
4: It's nine AM to two thirty
1: PM.
4: Okay, perfect. Thank you. All right. All right. Well I
1: think I could tune in. So, uh when we get off, you know you know uh you can send me a link. I don't know if I have to go through the email process. Hopefully I can uh get a little um a little VIP treatment. <laughs> but no, seriously when we I get, just wanna
0: <laughs> get I was it.
4: gonna say when we get off here just text me your full name and your email address going um, then just stand by so we can go through the process to get you access to your course. Yes. that's not that the norm. That's not the norm, but you I know. It. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> but I'm excited. This is good. I think anything awesome. that has elevation and uh education just because we need to um you know, the more we learn the better we're able to help ourselves. I think uh, a lot of the the studying that I do is for myself. God, I'm trying to survive. I'm trying to heal. I'm trying to recover But in my own recovery that I'm able to help others. It's like, sometimes I just want to lay down on the floor and just like, I do not even know. I'm like, God, just, just do whatever you're doing. Cause I'm, I'm fighting for my own self, but guess what? In doing that work for myself and pouring into myself, I'm seeing how I can help other people. It's like a double reward and it just feels so good. So, um, keep doing what you're doing we love it um and we can't have we can't wait to have you come back and talk to us a little bit more about um some of the programs that you're doing give us some tips um we got about 9 minutes i don't know if um miss mrs Penelope has any questions or comments i know we have philip still on the line uh he's been listening i know he's over there taking notes cuz he's like that he'll be quiet and then he comes back with all this information uh so if anyone would like to make a comment or um share some, some tips or share testimony, feel feel let to open up, please do. The mics are
2: open. Uh no, this is not I just feel I just feel humbled um tonight. I really do to to be um on this um forum and with you, Doctor Nancy and I've learned so much from Vanessa and and, uh, Dr. Nancy, what you mentioned about Philip, I, can, I wholeheartedly concur, um, that's been, it's just been wonderful, Philip, to get to know you over, um, this, you know, period of time and to see your, um, um, journey, if you will, and then allow us to, to take some of it with you. It's, um, I think that's just very, very inspiring, and I, um, in that vein, you'd ask for, um, In your point number two about um, suicide prevention, I think that for me, when I see someone who becomes withdrawn, um, who's um, not showing up, you know, to events and not engaging like they normally do and becomes more of a pattern, to me that's something like, you know, uh, I wonder if, if, you know, they're they're okay and that prompts me to, to reach out. Um,
1: I don't know if Philip, do you have any comments? You don't have to if if you're still listening, but I'd love to hear from you always, always a wealth of knowledge.
3: Well, I hope everybody has a nice night.
1: Hey, that's good enough right there. I hope everyone has a nice night, too. Um... Again, Ms. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us tonight on such short notice. I know you have a very busy schedule, but we hope to have you again um, next time. We'll be a little bit more prepared for a more informal type of interview and get a little bit more about the background uh, of, of your um, growing up and different things about you. But um, on the short notice, you coming on, again, you left us with a lot of information and a wealth of knowledge and um, and you definitely helped to create a safe space so we just want to thank, thank you, you. For that. thank you for having me thank you so much for having me you're welcome you're welcome all right um, mr. Nuffley do you have anything else you want to say or if
2: not we could just you know, get ready to end the night um, I just want to acknowledge the Nuts and say thank you for the invitation to um, your event on Saturday and I will be looking at the website um, as well. It's very generous and I, you know, it's a very generous invitation and um, really, truly appreciate that. And I know that a lot of people are streaming and listening. and will be listening to the show before Saturday that may also, you know, benefit from that uh, opportunity. So um, thank you for that. And uh, Dr. Nancy, just, you know, I have uh, that. I always talk too fast. That's good, I'm working on. Uh, but dr nancy it was you know i haven't been on together in a while i just want to say it was really a privilege i thank you so i learned so much from you it's just, <laughs> just humbled as i said and so I look forward to doing more shows together in the future thank you thank you so much me too i'm
1: gonna tell bill put us on put us on I, I enjoyed this <laughs> show <tonight. laughs> i'm gonna send him a little message but um Thank you so much, um, both you ladies. Thank you for the work that you're doing in the community, and thank you for your selfless love. Um, it takes a very special type of person to to do work to help others recover in their own process of their own recovery. Uh, and so I, I acknowledge it. I see the. I see you. Um, and I thank you for that and um, praying that God blesses you for all that both of you all are doing in in our community and in our world. Um, you know, tonight we had a conversation about the importance of bringing awareness and uh, raising awareness in the area of suicide. I know it's a topic that a lot of times we don't want to touch. Many of our youth are dealing with it. They're talking about it. Their parents are just hoping that it just goes away and nothing comes out of it. But unfortunately, every couple of seconds, someone is taking their life. And so it is really important to, if you see something, you hear something, reach out for help. Reach out for help. Reach out for help for that person from a place of love. If you need to call a hospital and let them know that this is what the person is saying and, you know, you you feel guilty because you're kind of telling on them. And you know what? At this point, when it comes to the thing that you love sometimes, you just have to take that risk and get them the help that they need because you're not dealing with that person. You're dealing with someone who's depressed. They're, they're not in, they're not at their best, right? A lot of times when I hear the story, um, dealing with a client right now uh, with a similar situation, the company hired me to come speak to the staff. I actually spoke to them today. It was like 80 something staff, um, and one of them took their life. And everybody's trying to figure out what happened what happened what could we have done better and so in doing that that meeting uh, we were able to recognize okay we noticed this we noticed that and what did we do after that and then we start to create a plan for the if if ever anything like this happens again what is going to be the the, um, the standard what's going to be the plan what is going to be the next step what's going to happen? How do we kind of get this person help? People go through things, they cry out, they cry out sometimes without asking for help. And so when we recognize, if we're able to educate ourselves, we are that first point of contact. We can better help others survive. And so, it's, you know, we don't have to make it taboo, we don't have to make it uncomfortable. We have to take our emotions out of it and say, look, it's bigger than us, we're trying to help save lives. And in doing that, you know, if we see something, we do, we have to say something. Um, Sometimes people will not be happy with us for that. But, you know, when it comes to the the safety of others, sometimes you just have to do that. Um, When it comes to children, we're mandated reporters um, in the area of advocacy work, you know, and so we have to speak up for them because they cannot speak up. Things with elderly or people with um, severe, you know, mental illness, if we see abuse or we see that they're being mistreated, we have to speak up. So I just want to encourage you all, let's continue to educate ourselves and let's continue to educate our community. And let's continue to to be our sister's keepers and our brother's keepers. And if we see something, you know, definitely continue to say something and raise awareness. So thank you all for joining us tonight. I'm your host tonight, Dr. Nancy. I'm with my wonderful uh, co-host. Mrs. Penelope and um and thank you, Ms. Vanessa, for joining us. Thank you, Philip, for joining us. And to everyone a good night. Good
4: night. Good night. Thank you, good night.
0: Talk Talk Radio.